Good morning, everyone. I hope you're all well. Thank you, Ozzy, uh, for leading us in time of coordination. If it's okay, so let me um, just echo the welcome that you gave this morning to all of our members. Welcome to everybody. As usual, it's great to see all of you online. It's always wonderful to see you all. Um, but just want to just extend a warm welcome to to everybody, really. Uh, mentioned to, to Ayo, lovely to see Ayo, to Bavinda, um, to Auntie Florence, lovely to to see you, Auntie, and also happy birthday. Um, I know that the family did a lovely photo shoot for you uh, recently. It's great to see. So welcome. Uh, Jadiel, family, welcome. My sister Shirley and Sandy, welcome, guys. Uh, good man, Malcolm. Good to see you on, uh, online. Good welcome to you. Um, uh, and Tracy, Tracy, welcome to you. Um, it's great to have you, and I hope you enjoy the service. And all our, our all our usual guests, it's lovely to have you. So good good morning, all, and uh, thank you for joining us. All right. Well, this morning, um, I want to continue uh, a word that I shared uh, two weeks ago, um, which was entitled uh, "Kingdom Disciple: The Need to Train Your Human Spirit to Receive Help." from the Holy Spirit. For the benefit of those who um, weren't part of this uh, word when I shared two weeks ago, I'll give a very brief description, a uh, brief recap, and then I want to continue from where I left off. But before I do that, let me just pray um, and just uh, ask the Lord to help us this morning. So just uh, join me as I pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the privilege of being able to share your word. I thank you, our God, Lord, this morning, that Lord, that you are with us in our respective homes or wherever we are logged into. Father, we pray that you are with us. Lord, help us to understand, oh God, how your Holy Spirit works. Help us to understand, oh God, how our human spirit works with your Holy Spirit. And I pray this morning, oh God, that you will speak to your people and draw us closer to you. We give you thanks and give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Just a reminder also that there is Sunday school on now. So those of you with Sunday school children, um, please log in. The details hopefully will be in the chat. So um, you can join um, with your children can join now. Okay. All right. So, so we're looking at the, the fact that we are kingdom disciples. All right. A disciple of Christ is a follower of Christ. Uh, and my prayer is that all of you online are disciples of Christ. You know, um, a disciple is simply a disciplined follower of something. And as children of God, we are disciplined by God's great disciplined followers of Jesus and as part of that process God has given us his Holy Spirit to help us to know him even more um, and I want to read just a couple of scripture just to help to give some context Isaiah chapter 43 verse 2 says when you pass through the waters I'll be with you when you pass through the rivers they will not sweep you over when you walk through the fire you will not be burned the flames will not set you ablaze. Now see, this scripture was uh, God speaking to his people and giving them reassurance that as you go through things in life, be it things that represent a fire, things that may be consuming, things that represent water, so where you feel that you're drowning in a situation, scripture says, or God was saying to them, that the fire will not burn you that the water, when you're drowning, it will not cause you to drown because he is with you. Now, this scripture and there are many similar scriptures in the Bible like this, these are promises from God. 
that God wants us to hold on to as we navigate through the different challenges that we face in life. And every time we go through these types of challenges, the Holy Spirit, God's Spirit, is available to help us. But within us, we have our own human spirit. And this is what I was explaining when I began this word two weeks ago. When God created Adam in the Bible, we know that Adam was the first person that was created, the first human being that God created. The Bible says that God breathed into Adam. And when he breathed his life into Adam, Adam became alive. And at that point, his human spirit came into existence. So what is our human spirit? Our human spirit simply is it's the deepest part of our being, number one. But let me, to define what the human spirit is, in essence, our human spirit is our conscience. It's the part of us that decides what is right or what is wrong. Everybody has a human spirit. Everyone has their own definition of what is right or what is wrong. And I'm talking outside of whether you believe in God or not. I'm just talking from the basic definition of what a human spirit is. It's your conscience, it's that thing inside of you, that gut feel that you have within you. It's a part of you that feels guilty or feels condemned or feels justified when things happen. You know, another way that you could describe your um, the, the human spirit is when people, you probably heard the expression where people say, you know, what's your gut feel? What do you feel in your gut about something? That's your conscience. That's a hum- your human spirit. And sometimes you're in a situation where you want to make a decision. And some, and some people say to you, you know, when you make a decision, you probably heard this before, people say, make the decision based on what's on your heart rather than what's in your head. Again, reference to your heart is talking about your human spirit. Because if you go about what's in your head, your head is normally the logical side of you. So you'll see something that that seems um, on paper, it's okay, it seems safe, it seems correct. And you'll go ahead and choose based on your mind, based on logic. But when it comes to your heart, or when it comes to your human spirit, that side of you is not logical. It's based on, again, how you feel within. And that is your human spirit. And your human spirit is the part of you and the part of every single person that connects to God. God communicates with us through our human spirit. Now, let me bring it back into the context of of Christianity and our relationship with God. Because once an individual comes into relationship with Jesus, the one who died on the cross, the one who gave his life for us, once we know him and once we uh, uh, begin to develop a relationship with him, we invite him into our hearts. We confess him as our Lord and Savior. What happens at that point is that God's spirit, known as the Holy Spirit in the Bible, he now comes and lives inside of your human spirit. So where before you were used to, uh, um, you know, deciding right or wrong based on what you felt, based on what you've experienced, based on what you've seen, based on what you know. Now the Holy Spirit has come inside of your human spirit. And the Holy Spirit now is the one that influences and shows you what is right in God's eyes, what is wrong in God's eyes. He shows you where you should feel guilty about things in God's eyes, or where you feel justified about things in God's eyes based on his word. So there's a clear distinction because God's spirit is now living inside of your human spirit. So what what we're looking at today is how to train your human spirit in order to receive help from the Holy Spirit.
you know, one of the things I mentioned uh, when I spoke before is that we need to make sure that we don't make the mistake in believing that because the Holy Spirit is now inside of us as a Christian, that we just need to sit back and just let the Holy Spirit do what he needs to do. It doesn't work like that. But the Holy Spirit lives inside your human spirit. So we need to, uh, in a sense, train our human spirit to accommodate the Holy Spirit. So that when the Holy Spirit speaks to us about something, when he prompts us about something, that we respond in obedience to what the Holy Spirit is saying. And that doesn't automatically happen. It comes through training our own human spirit to understand and to listen when the Holy Spirit speaks, when he prompts us about something, when he opens our eyes, when we have that feeling inside of us that maybe before you were a Christian, you had you, you get a certain feeling about something where things weren't, weren't correct. But now it's a, it's a similar type of feeling, but different, because you know that this is God telling you, not based on your own understanding, but this is God saying to you, that mm, you know what, that thing, I shouldn't really be doing that. Or actually, mm, that thing, actually, you know what, this is something that I should be doing. Because now the Holy Spirit is beginning to speak to you and influence how your gut feeling, how your conscience is, because the Holy Spirit is influencing uh, that part of you. Okay, so we're looking at how the Holy Spirit, God's own spirit, that lives inside of us, how we can train our human spirit to receive help from the Holy Spirit. So when I shared two weeks ago, I was mentioning four things, four practices that we can all do to help to feed and to strengthen our human spirit in order to receive and in order to really build on the help from the Holy Spirit. So the first one I mentioned was about meditation on God's word. And we looked at the importance of meditating on the word of God. You know, I mentioned that meditation is something that people tend to just, uh, generally, you think of yoga, you think of, uh, you know, um, Sikhism and other kind of religions in terms of meditation. Not, not many people connect to meditation when it comes to Christianity and the word of God. But that is something that we are encouraged to do. We all meditate in different ways. If you worry about something, if you're excited about something, when things are on your mind, that's meditation. But unfortunately, many Christians, when it comes to the word of God, for, for whatever reason, we don't meditate on the word of God enough. We don't give the word of God enough thought, enough time in order for the word to become part of us. I mentioned the scripture when I shared last week in Joshua 1 verse 8. It says this, it says, this book of the law, in other words, the Bible, this book shall not depart out of your mouth, but you should meditate on it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written within it. And then it will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. This is the word of God, simply saying that if you meditate on God's word, and you observe to do the, the, the things that God encourages us to do within his word, the Bible says that as far as God is concerned, that you will have good, uh, you'll be prosperous, you'll be fruitful, whatever you do, and you'll have good success. That is one of the, that is the blessing that comes from meditating and receiving the word of God. I've got a time, I won't go too much into that, you know, I, the word of you was recorded, so you can listen to the, the other information about meditation. Uh, but I want to move on to uh, number two, the second practice as to how. Uh, we can develop our human spirit in order to 
receive help from the Holy Spirit. So the second practice is practicing the word of God. So meditation of God's word leads directly into putting God's word into practice. You meditate on God's word. You feed on God's word. You allow God's word to become part of you because as you, anything that you read that you pay close attention to, what happens is that it eventually becomes part of you. You know, those of us who, who have studied or if you, you know, if you've been a student or students in, 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 in life anyway. But academically, for example, if you study the particular topic and you read over that topic, you digest it, you go over it, you repeat it. You know, when you're writing something, you go over it, you go over it in a similar way to meditation. Eventually, it just becomes part of your, of your mindset. So as soon as you see a heading about a certain subject, all that you studied and read about that thing, it just stays in your head because you studied it. And that is how God wants us to be when it comes to the word of God. So through meditation, it leads on to putting the word of God into practice. So practicing the word of God simply means being a doer of the word. Psalms chapter 31 verse 5 says this, Into your hands I commit my spirit. Deliver me, Lord, my faithful God. We are all encouraged and I encourage you all to be like David. He wrote that scripture, King David in the Bible. And have a similar stance of committing your spirit to God. Commit your human spirit to God. In other words, give him your human spirit so that you can graduate from meditating God's word to practicing and being a doer of God's word. The book of James chapter 1 verse 22 says, be doers of the word and not only hearers. Be doers of the word and not only hearers. You know, nowadays we have many people that like to talk the word, which is good. We have many people that like to, you know, rejoice about the word. You know, they celebrate, oh, the word of God says this, excellent. That is good. But we, in addition to that, we need people. We need you and I to be doers of God's word. So begin to practice being a doer by doing in all circumstances what the word of God tells you to do. It takes practice, but you have to read and get into his word in order to do so. You know, sometimes when you hear about being a doer of God's word or putting God's words into practice, a lot of the time automatically people think of, you know, the Ten Commandments um, and the fact that, you know, we need to obey the Ten Commandments. And that is probably like, you know, the main example of us being a doer of God's word. But even though we have the Ten Commandments, that isn't, definitely is not the only area that uh, we need to use to demonstrate God's word or to be a doer of God's word is, as I read in James chapter 1 verse 22. You remember or for those of you that don't remember in the New Testament a new covenant came for us as children of God when Jesus came onto the earth. So as a result of Jesus um, being born and then dying, and then resurrecting. In the New Testament, Jesus came and said a new commandment he had put in play. And that commandment is a commandment of love. And this is an example I'm going to give to us about being a doer of the word. It says this in John chapter 13, verse 34. Jesus himself said this, a new commandment I give unto you, 
that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. The doer of God's word will do this. The doer of God's word will demonstrate loving one another. And this is an example of being a doer of the word, a doer of God's word. The Bible talks about love, and I'm, I'm highlighting this because the love is, is a very, it's a classic example of how God wants us to be children of God, demonstrating his love. And in the New Testament, it said that love is, is the fulfilling or the completion of God's law. Without going into detail about what the law of God uh, uh, represents, part of God's law is about us, you know, being in relationship with, with Jesus, uh, having faith in him, etc. But a major part of the completion of God's law is that we demonstrate love, love towards God our Father, love towards one another. In fact, read this. Let's, let me read the scripture to you. First John chapter two, reading from verse three to six. It says this. It says, "We know that we have come to know Him if we keep His commands. Whoever says." I know him. In other words, whoever says I know Jesus, but does not do what he commands, is a liar. This is the word of God here. And the truth is not in that person. But if anyone obeys his word, love for God is truly made complete in them. This is how we know we are in him. Whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. Very interesting uh, portion of scripture there. If we want to live as Jesus, as Jesus did and love in the way that the Bible teaches, then our human spirits need to be daily influenced by the Holy Spirit. And the Bible says God is love. And there's an argument to say that unless you know God, then you don't really know what love is because God himself is love. So by virtue of you knowing God, your relationship with him, you are, you are now a recipient of the, the very being that, that, that exudes love. So by knowing him, you should therefore know how to demonstrate love because you are in relationship with the, with the one who is love himself. The Bible says God himself is love. And the scripture that I read in 1 John 3, um, if I know, let me read the scripture. Uh, this scripture. This scripture demonstrates how we know what love is. 1 John chapter 3, I'm reading from verse 16 to 18. It said, Jesus Christ laid down his love, his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and our sisters. If anyone has material possessions, and sees a brother or sister in need, but has no pity on them. How can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and truth. This is the word of God. This scripture reminds us that love is a practical, is a practical thing and it demonstrated by action. 
And it really is a classic example of, of showing that you are a doer of God's word. The scripture makes it very clear. Let us, let us not love with words or speech alone, but with actions and truth. This is an example of being a doer of God's word. If we show love, if we demonstrate love, then love is shown not just in words, not just in speech, but with actions and in truth. Being a doer of God's word, I want to go into a little bit more detail here. It means that we do a lot of the instructions that are written within the epistles in the Bible. The epistles basically are, it's in the New Testament, and these are letters that were written in the New Testament for the church. Now, children of God, we are the church. So when you read the epistles, the instructions within those epistles are speaking to the church as to what the church should focus on what the church should do in order for the church to demonstrate to the world around us that we are children of God and that um, we are uh, uh, believers in Jesus. And within those instructions, there are a number of things within there that God speaks to us about being a doer, doing the things of God. I want to go into some of those things now. One of the epistles is the book of Philippians. I want to read the scripture. Many of you know the scripture. Some of you may not have come across the scripture before. But many people will know the scripture. And it relates to every single one of us. Philippians chapter, chapter 4. And I want to read from verse 6 to begin with. It says, be careful for nothing. In other words, don't worry about anything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. So now remember, we're talking about being doers of God's word. So God is encouraging us to do it. He's encouraging us to not worry. This word just says, be careful for nothing. Another word just says, don't worry about anything. But in everything, by bringing your prayers, bringing your requests and your thanksgiving to God, let all your requests be made known to him. So we are, to, we are encouraged to do this, to put this into practice. So see, most of us, we don't mind the part where it says um, to pray and bring your request to know not to God. That's easy. It's not a problem to come before God in prayer and say, Lord, you know what? These are the things I need right now. I need help with this. I would, I would love your assistance with this. I want you to intervene when it comes to this, etc." We all have no problem when it comes to bringing our requests to God. That's fine. But in practice, the part that talks about uh, worrying, or not worry, that is the part that most of us have a problem, have a difficulty with when it comes to this scripture and when it comes to doing, because remember we're talking about being a doer of God's word and putting God's word into practice. That is the part that many of us struggle with. Doing the part where it says to not worry, to not fret. In fact, yeah, in the Amplified Version of the Bible, it says, do not fret or have any anxiety about anything. So first we are told that we should not have any anxiety. We should not worry. And the interesting thing is that anyone that prays to God and their prayers are being influenced by worry, influenced by fear, influenced by anxiety, etc. Unfortunately, those prayers will not work. Those prayers 
before God, those prayers will not go anywhere because God is a God of faith. And when we pray to God in faith, that's how God responds. He responds to faith. So when we pray, we're encouraged to bring our prayers to him in a spirit of faith. Believing that as we pray this prayer to God, we're asking God to do something, that our faith believes that God is going to answer that prayer because God will respond to your faith. God doesn't respond to fear. He doesn't respond to anxiety. But he responds to faith. You know, I'm saying this, I'm saying this with, 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 with clarity because every single one of us is in a situation where, or has been in a situation where fear or anxiety has been very strong concerning our lives. And whenever maybe we've been in a situation where we've, uh, we've been really fearful about things and we presented them before God. But as, we, as we've done so, it's been totally immersed in fear. Without faith. And there's a difference because you can bring things to, to, to God and be scared. But even though you're scared, you have faith that God is going to hear and going to answer your prayers. And that's the distinction I want to make here. You know, um, our senior pastor, Pastor Joe, as many of you know, has been going through a, a, a health battle for a while. And one of the things that he has said during this whole battle that he's gone through is that what he does is that he reminds God of his word. And he speaks the word back to him. He says, God, you said that by your stripes I'm healed. So therefore, I'm holding on to that word, that I am healed. And this is what you and I need to get into the habit of doing, because this is all part of being a doer, practicing the word of God. It's not just speaking the word of God, but it's practicing. So you live in a way that complements what you say. So Philippians 4, 6 says, do not worry. You know, I'm deliberately laboring on this point for a reason. Because fear and anxiety and worry, all these type of things, the enemy, Satan himself, has been sweeping the whole world with his spirit. So many people are in fear because of the coronavirus, because of the second wave, those in India. You know, in, in my workplace, we have a branch in India. Um, one of our one of the, the team members uh, passed away last week because the, this second wave in India is is it's 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 just so powerful. So many people are passing away, and people are correctly they're in fear. But we are looking at the Word of God. What does the Word of God say? It says, "Do not worry, do not fret about anything." Do not be anxious. And the thing is, see, God will not ask you to do anything that you cannot do. So the fact that the word of God says, do not worry, do not be, do not uh, be fretful, do not be anxious. It doesn't matter what the situation is. God has given you the ability in any situation to demonstrate and to live in a way where you do not need to be uh, fearful. You don't need to be anxious. Because we are looking to God for our help. 
So even though it seems hard to do so, as we look and as we trust in God, none of us need to worry when it comes to our situation. None of us need to allow ourselves to entertain fear when it comes to whatever situation that we are facing as we put our trust in God. And in the same way I mentioned about Pastor Joe, in his situation, he speaks about refusing to accept, like you refuse to accept worry. You refuse to accept anxiety. And when you take that stance, we can bring our request to God and we thank him for the answer and we leave him to work out the details. That's how God works. Sometimes you don't have to know how God is going to address the situation. You don't need to know how, but we just trust that he's going to do it. That's where the worry can be put to one side. That's where the anxiety can be put to one side because we are trusting the God, the maker of heaven and earth. So through this approach, you know what that does? It helps to quiet down your spirit. It helps to pacify any form of anxiety or feeling troubled because the devil will make, try to make sure that he keeps you in fear. He wants to keep you in anxiety. But as you give your situation to him, the Bible says, cast your burdens unto God because he cares for you. When you cast something, you throw, you give, you, there's, there's an exchange. God wants to exchange all your burdens. He wants you to give those burdens to him so that he has them. And that's why he died on the cross. He died to take away all our burdens, all our fears, all our anxieties. And as you give those to him, you just need, after that, you just need to go about your business and just live the life led by your Holy Spirit. So all we need to do, all of you that's listening online, you may be in this situation right now. All you need to do is to practice the word. Practice putting God's word in practice for you. Be a doer of God's word. You know, we, look, we looked at Philippians 4 that talks about do not worry, do not fret, but then just give all your requests to God. But now let's, let's, let's look at verse 7. Because as a result of practicing verse 6 of Philippians 4, if you put that into practice, you then read the benefits of verse 7. And verse 7 says this. It says, And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and your mind through Christ Jesus. See, many people want the verse 7, but they don't want to practice what it said in verse 6, when it says about not worrying. In order for you to receive God's peace in verse 7, we have to practice verse 6, where we do not worry, we do not doubt, we are not anxious, but we are trusting God. And as we do so, I speak the peace of God upon you in verse 7. In fact, the Amplified Version of uh, Philippians 4, 7 says, And God's peace, which transcends all understanding, shall guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. 
God's peace will guard over your heart and your mind. But the question is this, can you receive this? Can you receive God's peace without being the doer of God's word? The answer is no. You can't. In order to receive this peace, you have to do God's word. As I said, reading God's word is the beginning. Meditating on God's word is part of the process. But then as as you read, as you meditate, you now do. You put God's word into practice. Sometimes I speak to my children about reading God's word. You don't read God's word like it's a newspaper, like it's a magazine where you're just reading information about people or about the world or about things. And there's a separation between what you read and your own life. But when it comes to the word of God, when you're reading God's word, you read it as as though it's it's like a, a mirror that you hold into your face. You don't look in the mirror and let's say you're, if you know, as, as a, a woman, you're putting on makeup. You cannot put on makeup and use a mirror. And when you're using the mirror, you're, you're, you're also using something else in order to help put the makeup on your face. In order for you to put the makeup on properly, you have to use the mirror because you are using your reflection to see what needs to be addressed. And then you make the necessary adjustments. You put the lipstick on, your eyeshadow, etc. Because you are seeing yourself from the mirror. The word of God does exactly the same thing. As you read God's word, it's a mirror to you, showing you. This is where you need to make some adjustments. This is where you need to address certain things. And as you do so, what happens is that you are now building up your faith and your confidence in the things of God. God is showing you where changes need to be made. He's showing you that, okay, this area of your life, this is where you are fearful. So now that you know that, surrender it to God. God, when it comes to, this is just an example, when it comes to my health, I am so fearful. I don't know what to do. If that's you, give that to God. Cast that burden, give it to him and allow God's peace to take over. Now, you don't physically give your situation to God. Nobody can do that physically. But in your heart, within you, you give that situation to him. You surrender it to him. And you do that and you don't worry. You leave it to God. God, you don't have to worry about the details, how it's going to happen, how it's going to pan out. Because you leave that to God. You know, an important part of how people tend to worry and how we all tend to worry at times is because at times in our minds, we think about the wrong things. Let's look at this same verse of scripture, same um, chapter, Philippians chapter four. But I want to read verse eight. And it tells us what we should, what we should think about. And again, I'm, I'm saying this to say, let's put this into practice. It says, finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are honest, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue, if there is any praise, 
think on these things. You and I need to do this verse. We need to put this verse into practice in order for us to be thinking the things, the right things, according to the word of God. And let's be honest, many of us, we think about the wrong things. And the Bible said that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Sometimes we say things that are wrong because we're thinking the wrong things. My time is nearly gone. But we are encouraged by this scripture to think on these things, things that are true. We are to think on those things, things that are honest. What's honest about you? What's honest about the things around you? Those are the things you need to be thinking about. Sometimes the things that are honest are not pleasant to hear. But those are the things we need to think about. It could be that that the people may, be, may have been speaking to you about a certain character trait that you have. That is true and that's honest, but it's not nice to hear. People could be saying that you've been selfish. They could be saying that you've been uh, manipulative, who knows? That you've been inconsiderate. They may be true, they may be honest. So you need to think of those things. Things that are pure, things that are lovely. Things that are of good report. The Bible said these are the things that we need to think of. But anything outside of these things, we don't need to waste our time thinking about. If you receive or you hear something that within you is not true, then you don't need to think about it. If you receive information about something that is not honest, then you don't need to think about it. If it's not pure, you don't need to think about it. If it's not lovely, if it's not a good report, you don't need to think about it. I'm encouraging you, put, these, put this into practice. Listen, you just, just even just give it one day. Let's say, make up your mind for one day. You're going to put this scripture into practice. That all you're going to do in your mind, you're going to, to be, make a deliberate decision to only think about things that are true, that are honest, that are pure, that are lovely, that are a good report. And anything outside of those things, you're not going to allow yourself to entertain those things in your mind. Just for one day. And, 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 and let's, let's see, we, we, can, we can do like a report. The next time I, next time I share, we can get feedback from, from people. This is the word of God. The word of God brings life. It brings light to your life. And as you put God's word into practice, your life will be changed. I'm telling you, it will be transformed. There's nothing that, come, that will come your way in your life that the word of God cannot address as you speak God's word, as you meditate on God's word, as you live God's word, and as you put God's word into practice. God will change and transform your life. And as we do so, as I said at the beginning, your human spirit, the part of you that has that gut feel, the part of you that communicates with God, as you begin to put God's word into practice, you'll see that they'll be within you because you're entertaining, reading God's word, meditating in God's word, and then putting into God's word into practice. The Holy Spirit's influence in your life will become even more stronger. You begin to do things led by the Holy Spirit so quickly. 
as the Holy Spirit lays things within your heart, first and foremost, you will know, mm, okay, yes, Holy Spirit, you're speaking to me about something. And then you respond in obedience to it. So being a doer of God's word, practicing God's word, is one of the key ways of training and receiving help from the Holy Spirit to train our own human spirit to receive help from the Holy Spirit. My time is up right now. I want to pray. I want to pray two prayers. First, I want to pray for all of us. Each and every one of us here, we all have a human spirit. I want to pray that God will help us to train our spirits in this regard. We looked at meditating on God's word last week. We looked, we looked at today at practicing or being a doer of God's word. I want to pray over you that God will give you such a hunger to meditate on God's word, but also to put the word of God into practice, to be a doer of God's word. Just join me as I pray. Father, I just want to bring up people before you this morning. Father, we thank you, O oh God, that Lord, that we are not only hearers of your word, but we are doers. And Lord, I speak this in faith upon every single person online. That Lord God, as they have heard this word, but also as they spend time in your word by themselves, reading and meditating on your word, I pray that Lord, that you will help each and every person to put your word into practice, to do the word as led by your spirit. Father, let your Holy Spirit begin to speak concerning their situation, concerning the things that you highlighted to them that they should be doing, that they should be drawing, that you want their attention to be drawn to. I pray, oh God, that Lord, that you will help them by the power of your spirit to live and live by your Holy Spirit, to be a doer of your word, to be obedient to your word, oh God. So begin to speak right now to each and every person so that they will live according to your word and be doers of your word in the name of Jesus. Amen. I also want to pray, you know, for those of you online, you know, I've, I've said a lot about being, uh, being a, a, a child of God, but being um, somebody who, all of us, as I said before, we have the privilege of being in relationship with, with God. God has breathed his life into every single one of us. This is why we're alive. But the Bible says that it's appointed for man first to die and then the judgment. I don't know how many of you online here that are totally confident that when you die, you'll stand before God. And that it's God that you will meet when you breathe your last. The reality is that the Bible says that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And that no one can come to the Father except from Jesus. Now, all this talk about our human spirit and the Holy Spirit. In essence, it begins with having a relationship with the Lord. The only way that you can have the Holy Spirit influence your human spirit is by being a child of God, is by receiving Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Now, if you're online and you're listening to what I've said this morning, I want to give an opportunity for you to know the Lord for yourself. You know, no one knows what tomorrow may bring. And when we Every person at one stage is going to die and stand before God, whether you believe in him or not. And when you do, you're going to give an account of your life. But the only way that you will get to enter into eternity with Jesus 
is by receiving Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Whilst you are alive now. Because once you die, at that point, it's too late. If you haven't received him, if you haven't accepted, accepted him, whilst you are living, at the point of death, at that point, it will be too late. I want to give an opportunity for those online. If you haven't received the Lord, I want to pray with you right now. Just repeat after me this prayer. Say, Heavenly Father, I thank you for the privilege of being able to hear you this morning. Lord, I confess that I have sinned. And I ask you, oh God, that Lord, you forgive me of every sin I've committed. I ask you to come into my heart. I ask you, oh God, to live with me forever. Save my soul. And help me, oh God, to know you for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you pray that prayer from your heart, then congratulations, you. you are now a child of God. And this is the very beginning of your journey. And I want to encourage you, if whoever's invited you to service, uh, to speak to them so that they can help you to develop your journey. And as a church, we also here definitely to assist you on this journey. If you want prayer, uh, and you want to speak with myself or uh, a member of the team with regard to uh, this new uh, decision that you've made, giving your heart to the Lord, then I can pray for you after service. There's uh, just you can just put your your uh, name or you can raise your hand in the chat, and we'll assign you after service to uh, a breakout room, and we'll be there to just pray with you and speak with you and help you on this journey. Also to say, if anybody needs prayer for anything at all after service, again, just raise your hands in the chat or just indicate by putting your name and we'll assign you to a prayer room after service to pray with you. Amen. God bless you. Thank you so much for just uh, listening uh, this morning. And uh, I will now hand back over to you.